Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with O'Neill Lescombe. O'Neill is the CEO of No Limits Training. He is a husband and a father of two young boys, and he has been running a fitness coaching business since 2019. For the past three years, he has helped close to 1,000 women get life-changing results without giving up family time or the foods that they love. He is the only fitness coach that offers holistic nutrition, fitness, mindset, and lifestyle coaching all all-in-one program. He specializes with gut health, nutrition, energy, time management, mental health, and looking great naked. His program was named the last fitness program you will ever need because of the jaw-dropping results he posts on daily. He shares even more so. This is a big part that I love. He shares his story of his upbringing, of some of the challenges that he has come through, especially over these last couple of years. If you are not in the fitness industry, you might not understand how hard hit fitness health has been with the pandemic, especially when it comes to majority of our gyms being closed for more than half of this last 18 months in Ontario, Canada. And as he shares his story, there was a turning point where he almost took on a brick and mortar. So instead, during the pandemic, he pivoted, turned the entire thing online, hire a coach, and has built his business from there. He also talks honestly and vulnerably about growing up in a women's shelter raised by a single mom. And he is living proof that you can accomplish amazing things, even when the odds are feeling like they are stacked against you. He is the best at helping you become your best self and coming into the realization that yes, you are absolutely worth it. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today. O'Neill. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Hey there. Glad to be here. See, this is another thing with the power of social media. My friend who listens to my podcast all the time, she's like, oh, you need to meet O'Neill and he needs to be on your podcast. I'm like, awesome. I love referrals. Like that's actually the best part. I think the referrals end up even working out better than when I get, sometimes I get random messages. They're just not a good fit for the show. So this is great. I'm thrilled. Tell us where you're from. I was born in Brampton, mm-hmm. Ontario, Canada, for those who don't know. And then I moved to Oakville in grade six. And now me and my little family are in Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, nice. Nice. You're like, we're literally about an hour away from yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. I'm in uh, Kitchen Waterloo, which doesn't happen too often. For anybody listening who's not from here, they're like, what? But it's just, it doesn't. <laughs> I interview a lot of people from the state. So this is awesome. Just being up the road. Can I ask you, are you a reader? I want to say yes, because I love to read, but I make the time for it. No. Have you ever had a book that has been impactful for you? Honestly, off the top of my head, I can tell you a book that has got me through some hard times because it took my mind to like an imaginary place, I guess we can say. So 
I, re- I usually only read business books now, mm-hmm. but I used to read a lot of James Patterson, mm-hmm. <laughs> the murder books. Yeah. Right? Um, the reason why I'm telling you this is because at that time I was not in a good place. I would just read that book and it was like I was transformed into that life. So I just thought it was funny, but uh, that's that's my book, James Patterson. That's awesome. Actually, I've read a number of James Patterson books and I read a stat this morning that said that by reading 10 to 15 minutes of fiction a day decreases your stress by like 68%. And I was like, oh, interesting. That's why I, if I read at night, I try and read something fiction wise. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's more my genre, what you're talking about there. Yeah. It's like a movie in your head. I know. I know. As long as it's not anything too scary. Cause I've got an incredible imagination. Um, <laughs> what is something that drives you and lights you up? Honestly, I'm a very big self-motivator, so not too, too much. I'm pretty self-driven, but I would say like one thing that lights me up and makes me feel what true happiness is, is my son. Mm, how old? I got two now. So I got 16 months and I got a, almost 12, 12 weeks now. Oh, 12 weeks. So you have a baby during the pandemic. Two. That's how long it's been. Oh my God. <laughs> Two yeah. during, that must've been an interesting experience in the hospital. I had surgery last year and that was a very interesting experience being in the hospital by myself. And I know it changed during different times, but were you able to go in during both births? Yeah. So we were hearing the first, the first baby that's when we were hearing like people were not allowed to see their wife give birth. And I'm like, I don't care what they say. I'm going to handcuff my arm to the bed and I'm going to have to drag my ass out. <laughs> so I hear you. That's traumatic for the woman, like mm-hmm. extremely traumatic for the man, not to, the dad not to be there. Mm-hmm. I was allowed there, thank God. And then I was allowed there for the second one as well. Great. No, that's awesome. Because that was actually while I was in and I wasn't giving birth, I was having surgery, but it was definitely, it was stressful mentally by being there by yourself. That's one of the things that made it challenging. So I love, I love, love, love that you have two little boys. My boys were 14 months apart. So yeah, so I do understand. I, and I had, when I had my second, my first was just starting to walk, but not even very well. So it was like baby and baby. So I remember, yeah, it's it's definitely challenging. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do right now. Cause I want to go back into your story, but you created your business in 2019. Yeah. So that was the in-person training business. Yep. And then you pivoted, I'm assuming. So in-person training, tell us what kinds of clients you work with. Okay. So I work with primarily women and their Mm -hmm. husbands when they feel like signing up. Yep. (laughs) Nearly women. That's who we uh, drive our content towards. That's who we love to help. Mostly fat loss, but I'm finding that the more I'm doing this and and now I've been doing it quite some time, it's never really about fat loss. It's about the quality of life that we're changing. Right. So I like to focus really on three things now that I even put in my Instagram bio, it's confidence, energy, and then fat loss. Mm-hmm. Those three things. I feel like that's pretty much what we get hired for. And then the quality of life changes with that demographic is, you know, mostly 35 to 60 years old. I just find women at that age are, they're actually committed to making a change and mm-hmm. not saying younger women are immature, but, um, they got a lot on the go. They're in school. They, they've got too much on their plate to kind of commit to something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it worked best with a lot of moms, actually like 90% of moms. So. I, that in itself makes me so happy to hear because my entire like background was fitness and health. And until I 
pandemic times. When I see and hear that moms are taking the time for themselves to do that, I love hearing that. And I used to be, I mean, this is again, dating myself, but when I, when my kids were babies, your kids age, I had Tybo videos at home, no joke. And I would do them at 5am in the morning, not because I had to, and it wasn't about fat loss. It was my mental health. I needed it in order to like, be able to have my best day and all those things. So I love hearing more and more moms making themselves a priority in order to give to themselves first. It's awesome. And it's tough in the beginning for the, the, the moms to do that really tough, right? The mom guilt. Mm-hmm. But eventually they open up and they realize, wow, if I'm able to put this time for myself, I can be better for everyone. Mm-hmm. So hundred percent. So you started in 2019, you were in person mm-hmm. and did you have a location, a facility? Were you in space? What did that look like? No, I was working out of a couple of gyms in Mississauga and here's a funny little story. And I'm like, thanking God every day. I didn't do this because at the time I was about to open up my own gym. Mm-hmm. Right? We were looking, we were with the realtor looking for locations and then boom, COVID came and just wiped it all out. And to this day, I'm just so, so grateful. Cause I know if I did that decision, I would never see my family. I'd be oh. in the gym 12, 14 hours a day. Like I always was right. Mm-hmm. So my wife supported me cause she's, she's that kind of woman, but I know deep down they wouldn't have made her happy if I did that. It, it would have been really tough. And I, I don't know how many times I've actually owned a brick and mortar gym. So I can't tell you how many times during this last 19 months that I'm like, thank God I did not, thank God I did not own a brick and mortar because I can at least relate to the decisions and things that they're going through. And I had a live event scheduled for April 2nd last year and everything was done, was getting down to the final deposit that I had to make. And that was in early February. I had no real reason to decide, but my gut told me you need to cancel and refund. And I did, I refunded everybody and I canceled the event and literally within a month that would have been, I would have been on the hook for that entire venue for everything. And I, I mean, it was thousands of dollars. I was so grateful that I just followed my gut, but I also can respect that this has impacted so many different people and businesses in ways. Right. So client lost a $4,000 deposit on her wedding. Weddings like, oh, that's awful. And gone, right? Like it was just, yeah. Um, it's gone. Um, I have two friends who have were engaged and right re- and get planning wedding. And they literally just turned it into a small venue. Like one, there was only five of us that was there. Cause she's like, I'm done waiting. We've been waiting for a year for this. We're just doing it the way it is. Yeah, exactly. Right. So when was the turning point, obviously gyms were closing, but when was the turning point that you went, okay, I've got to figure out a different way to make this work. How fast did you make that transition to go into online coaching? The turning point was sitting in the apartment with my pregnant wife, our hole in our roof. We had bats in the house. We had mice in the house. We had bugs in the house. We sat there for about three or four weeks. And we were like, what the hell? Because she owns a hair salon. So she was done too. Jeez. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. And she's pregnant. So it was like a really weird time. So we, we sat for about three, I think it was three weeks watching Netflix and eating ice cream. <laughs> Cause you're just like, ah, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. And then you realize every day there's 
new rules, new mandates, more things are closing down, things are getting crazy. And that's when everyone thought like the world is going to end last year. Remember? I do remember. Yes, I do. Freaking grocery stores were empty. It was a weird time. But eventually I'm just like, okay, I can't keep feeling sorry for myself and living in this apartment and bringing a baby into this apartment. So you got to make something work. And I actually hired a business coach. I love this part of the story because you were in a space of knowing that what you were doing wasn't going to work. You had to make a change. And one of the first things you thought was hiring a business coach. I I'm a strongly believe in hiring mentors, like a hundred percent believe in it. And most of the time it's scary when we do like, right. It is scary because it's like, okay, so now I'm going to invest in something, but I have to make a living. How am I going to do this? But we also can shorten the learning curve by learning from people who have done it. Is that a tough decision? Or you just went, nope, this is what I have to do. Um, it wasn't tough for me. It was tough for my wife to yep. accept that I want to do that because she's the smarter one with the money mm-hmm. <laughs> and the risk taker. So it wasn't a tough decision for me. And like you like you mentioned t- uh, a couple of minutes ago, is your gut. I barely ever get gut feelings that move me to the point that I need to do something. Because when I get them, it's like a life-changing thing is about to happen. So it doesn't happen often. I think that's the only last time I got it, which was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. And I'm like, no, Annie, I got to do this. And then. And then business. So from there, you start working with a business coach and you start building what is now your online platform to work with and support. So tell us a little bit about what that transition was like. And we just want to talk about some of the lessons and things that you've learned. Transition. So I think pivoting any business in person to online is a completely different world. It's a completely different world. It may be the same business, but online is just a different game. It's a different world, man. I can't even explain it. It's got to be a lot of, of systems. It's got to be a lot of you know teamwork. It's got to be a lot of work. I think I'm working more now almost. But I didn't know how to use a laptop. I used my phone for everything. And then the business coach was making me use a laptop. I say, I freaking hate this damn laptop. Now I'm glued to it all day. So it's a lot of change and it's yeah. a lot of growth. I think I've grown more in the last couple of years ever in my Good for you. And so your community has grown. Your business has grown, right? Over this last year. And how, I mean, I know you're working a lot now. What does it look like now? And what does your average day look like now? Okay, here's the day in the light, MTV Cribs. <laughs> <laughs> Hope we don't get to for saying that. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, I wake up at six thirty. I shower. You know, get myself ready. About six forty-five, I'm on the computer, working until my first son wakes up. He wakes up about seven thirty. I'm putting his lotion on because he has eczema. Getting him ready for school, all that stuff. Putting him downstairs in his chair, feeding him as I'm working at the same time. Then I'm waking mom up at eight o'clock or eight fifteen to help out. Mm-hmm. At 8.30, that's my real shift. So I get my tea, go upstairs. I work till 11. I have lunch at 11. Then I work again till 2. Then I go to the gym or I do a home workout from 2 to 5. And then I have dinner with my family, 5 to 6. Then 6 to 8, I'm working again. Then I put the kids to bed. And then 9 o'clock, to sometimes 10.30, I'm working again. Wow. So it's a lot of hours right now. Yeah. Well, good for you for creating what you're doing now and how you are helping so many other women. What are some of the biggest lessons you have learned this last year to that has helped you or maybe even lessons or things that have surprised you over this past year? Hmm, That's a great question. Well, I guess what we've all learned is you got to be resilient in this world. Otherwise, 
you're done for and you can't feel sorry for yourself. You can't feel sorry for your business. It doesn't matter because I don't want to be rude to anybody, but it, nobody cares at the end of the day, right? The government's going to take your business. They're going to take your house. If you're not working, if you're not finding a way to make this work for you and your family, then you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You got to be resilient. You got to know shit gets hard, right? And it's not going to get any damn better because look at the world, man. The life, like it's getting weird. Like times are getting very weird and don't expect for it to get better for you. It's going to get harder. So you better become stronger, right? You better get off your ass and do something about it. <laughs> so I love resilience it. is the, the key word of the last two years. And if you if you aren't resilient, then your business is closed down right now and you're suffering, right? I, I thank you for saying that. And I love all of it. I think one of the things I'm always fascinated by business, like I love all aspects of business and I'm still on a regular basis. I see businesses that have pivoted in ways. I'm like, oh, that was brilliant. That was smart what they did and how fast they turned. We actually have this little coffee in St. Jacob's. I don't know if you know where it is, but in St. Jacob's, we have this little coffee shop that last year, he literally went in and renovated the entire inside so that there's nowhere to sit. It's like a walkway through in order to order your coffee. No one's sitting, but it allowed him to stay open all year long. He did that before we went into some of these mandates. And I can't tell you the number of people that were like, that's nuts. What's he doing? And we were talking to him the other day and I'm like, I'm just curious. Like, did you just follow your gut to make those renovation changes or did you get lucky? He's like a little bit of both. I just looked at it and when I had to renovate, I had to think about what is this worst case scenario, right? You're watching restaurants. We've had restaurants closed for half of the last 18 months. And with businesses like that, he was able to just stay open. So part of it being resilient is exactly it. You've got to be creative. I've also seen so many people collaborate with other businesses. Yeah. Have you seen that? I just, I find that so fascinating, but you're right. You're exactly right. It is going to get hard. It is hard. It is going to get harder. It's what we do and how we respond is what makes the difference. Have you always been a resilient person? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I think um, I would love it if you would share some of your upbringing or your younger story with us, because I think that there's a lot of power in just in just in that. Okay. I have a video on my Facebook group and I'll kind of base the my story off that video. It basically tells my whole life story. It's missing some things because I'm not comfortable to say it yet. But uh, one day I'll say it. Born a single mom of seven. You know, really, really, really poor upbringing. Uh, welfare. We moved eight times before I turned 10 years old because we were getting kicked out of all the uh, government subsidized buildings. So for those who don't know, government subsidized means the government is paying for large majority of where you live. And where you live is not a nice place. It's really broken down. Plumbing's all messed up. There's bugs. There's mice. Not a nice place, right? So if you're getting kicked out of there, you're you're really poor. <laughs> Seven brothers and sisters. I'm the second oldest. We ended up moving into a couple homeless shelters for domestic abuse with my mom. And I think I was I can't I can't remember maybe ten years old something like that. That's I guess my upbringing up until you know 13 years old obviously there's a lot of missing things in there (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that's how I was raised and I think that's what made me very resilient like we just talked about is because anything I ever wanted whether that be a Tim Horton donut my mom couldn't afford it Mm -hmm. I had to make money somehow so I had my first job at nine years old I delivered newspapers for a year and a half it wasn't a week it wasn't a month it was a year and a half walking down the street 
I was a skinny little guy, <laughs> big newspapers all over my shoulder. The people that I delivered the newspapers to loved it. They'd always give me these tips. Oh my God, I've never seen a kid working. It's so cute. <laughs> and I was short, right? I probably looked like I was six years old. So I was doing that to make some money. Just that's how I was raised. That's how I grew up. And that kind of brings me into why I train women. I just feel like I have a better relationship with them. I relate better to them. It's all I've been surrounded with. While we were going through that, those times, I only was with my two sisters and my mom. So it was just women, no father figures. And the ones that were, were obviously not good figures. I saw those women in the shelter and I was just that, that little guy running around, just, you know, having fun. At the time for me, it was fun. When I look back, like, I was having fun. But if I think about it, it's pretty messed up. It's, right? what, it's what you knew. Normal, right? This mm-hmm. was all normal. So this is why I, when I go through these COVID and business isn't good and all this crap, it's just like, hey, that's life. I thank God every day for growing up like that because otherwise I'd be really suffering sometimes. I'd be depressed. I'd be extremely sad, which, hey, it happens to all of us. COVID really just destroyed a lot of people's mindset, I guess we could say. It really broke a lot of people. Suicide, self-harm, all these just disgusting things that are going on. That people, like the people we know about it, but it's not showcased the way it should be. It's on the news, it's on the newspaper, it's not on TV, but the holistic people and the people that are keeping their ear close to the earth, they know what's going on, right? And it's really, really sick and it's really sad. I'm able to overcome these things and I'm actually able to help the people that are going through it. I'm able to take their energy and I'm not trying to be rude at all, but sometimes people's energy can destroy you, right? It can be really hard to absorb people's energy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Eight Mile. I love that movie. Yeah, when the, the big guy absorbed the, the woman's sickness and he took mm-hmm. it. And that's how I feel sometimes. I'm able to absorb their energy, but I have to always keep my energy a little bit higher to, to lift them up. Mm-hmm. Right? I can't I can't bring my energy down to their level. Otherwise, we're both feeling like not good. I have to be one step above, not too high, because nobody wants to be around that guy. It's like, yeah, oh, like, no. no. But you got to be one step step above to help this woman who's suffering and you got to just tell her your story which is hard to tell every time i tell it hey if i can go through this let me help you go through that Mm -hmm. i'll show you the way i'm not gonna tell you what to do but i'll guide you and i'll i'll show you the way right i have no doubt first off thank you for sharing that with us because that's really i think it's just really important and i think it's also it's a big part of who you are and this is the this is the thing is that we've all had parts of our lives where we're like, okay, that's not my favorite part of my upbringing or what I've come through, but it has made us who we are. And we have to honor that that's part of us, no matter, no matter what. And I think that that resiliency and being in the space of helping to lift the energy up, I think is super important because I also think that a lot of people are in a space of not even sure of knowing what they need. They don't know what they need. They just don't like where they're at right? They just don't like where they're at right now. And they're not sure how. And as you shared there where, you know, you did have the time where you watch Netflix, lots of people did, but I still have people that I've hear from. They're like, I think I have nothing more to watch. I have nothing more to do. And I'm like, okay, there's got to come a point where we've got to start to move. We have to start to move to create something different because I also think that there's a mentality of just waiting for it to go back to normal. Like it's just going to go back to normal. I'm like, oh my well, God. Yeah. I actually said just the other day to somebody, I'm like, actually, you need to, you really should stop saying go back to normal because it puts you into this expectation of what you think it's going to look like. And then you stand there waiting for it to happen. And it's not, it's a new normal. Things are different, not bad, good, better or worse, but it's different. Very different. And then you got to think about like, we're talking about resilience here. 
I have a client. Okay. I have a client. He lives in Oakville. He has a $6 million house. This guy showed me a receipt. Him and his wife own this company. He showed me a receipt that said, I think it was like, oh my God, I can't remember the number. It was like $120 million receipt from, a, I can't say the name, but it was like a local a grocery store chain because uh-huh. he sells all the hand sanitizer and the face masks to the, uh-huh. the grocery store. He is from Syria. Him and his wife are from Syria, no I parents. Can't... And he came out of the war and he built a hundred million dollar business from the war in Syria. So it's like, why in Canada with so many opportunities, so many free resources, and I know there's not enough, but we have a, a lot. Mm-hmm. You got welfare, you got community outsourcing, you got therapists that do things for free, so much help. And people still let these things cripple them, right? But sometimes I feel like maybe it's because they, like you said, they're they're always expecting. Mm-hmm. You can't expect. You don't nothing. Nobody owes you anything. And if you, once you live like that, and like nobody owes you anything, you're gonna go and get it yourself, one way or another. I love that you said that because I can't tell you how many stories, like how many different stories do we hear or see of people who came from nothing, not even nothing. They came from all of the circumstances that would make you almost would think there's no way that they have a chance. And yet they soar because they decide, they commit, they just say, I'm going to create this myself. I'm going to do it. And no excuses mentality, as opposed to waiting for something to fall into place. And I think that's a power mindset shift to look at it that way even like uh oprah when you think about oprah right? i like to use oprah oh, as an example she is a mega mega star but there's pictures of her on google wearing a potato sack <laughs> growing up right and she went through you know sexual molestation things that yeah. absolutely destroy a human being and she is now probably one of the most influential people to ever live mm-hmm. right? and you make you make life what you want it to be at the end of the day right mm-hmm and that's a that is a mindset shift that is really important because it will help you when you're dealing with a lot of things that are outside of your control. So what do you do when you have those moments where, you know, if you have the moment where you're like, okay, this is frustrating and I'm not sure what to do next, but you know, staying in that space or energy is not serving you. How do you shift yourself or any tips that you can give to the listeners? The common sense one answer here is to stop doing what you're doing. That's not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right so and good though sometimes you got to tell yourself that mm-hmm. if i'm doing it day after day and i'm not happy or something's not changing why am i going to continue to do it mm-hmm. i think that's the pivot you need to think about i guess right why don't you just try so what are you scared about they're so used to not i guess reaching a new level or they're so complacent mm-hmm. with what's normal to them which is not making them happy that i think they're used to not being happy that is a messed up thing <laughs> Right. That is a really messed up thing. When you say it out loud, they're like comfortable with not being happy. They're used to it. What makes them uncomfortable? They don't want to do, which can lead to happiness. You're saying exactly that's it is. It's a bit mind blowing, right? When we look at it, it's a bit mind blowing, but I I was trying to grasp for the quote and I can't get it right now. It's something to the fact that like we choose the discomfort we know instead of the unknown discomfort. Like we think that, oh, that's going to be a lot of work to go over there. And I don't think I can do that, but I'm going to stay right here, but I'm not feeling great. My energy's low. I'm not sleeping. My health is poor, but it's really scary to make that next change. So we choose the discomfort that we know, even if we know it's not serving us mm-hmm. human yeah. nature. And it's, and you're right. There comes that point, I think where you have to look internally and say, and recognize like what's not working here. 
what's not working and what can I change? There's a lot of things we can't control right now. There is a lot of things we can't control, but we can always control how we show up, what we do, what we do in our day, how we choose to eat, who we mm-hmm. surround ourselves with, all of those things. That's it. That's not a neat, nobody's saying this is easy. No. Like if anyone's listening, nobody's saying this is easy. It's actually hard. And that's why you don't want to do it. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> it is hard. And sadly, not to be, it's not negative, but you literally have to get up and do it again tomorrow. And again, yeah. the next day, like it's because it's a choice, right? It's like, it, you can't bank workouts. Like you can't go and do a four hour workout and then not do anything for a week and mm-hmm. eat terribly and go, why didn't that work? That's not how it works. It's like, I say, we fill our cup and we fill our cup to overflow. It's our job to fill our cup. But then when we wake up tomorrow morning, cups dry again, <laughs> it's still dry. We have to start over again. It's our, it's our job and it's our cup. And I know the days when I am not loving how I'm showing up or how I'm feeling. I'm like, I know the things I'm not doing that. Like I know what they are and it's my job to take ownership and do them. Sometimes for business owners, and this is something I learned last month, because I actually did not have a good month at all. It's one of my worst months since going online. And I guess that's normal because August, everyone's vacation, drinking, yes. the last party month, right? So mm-hmm. I learned that you just got to do the things that are boring almost sometimes in business, right? The things that you know are going to work, where you're so freaking bored of it because you've done it so many times, but you know it works. Mm-hmm. So why not just keep doing it? Mm-hmm. Right? But that's that's kind of the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Because we're it's if you know something works, you just gotta keep doing it. But if you if you know something doesn't work, then you gotta stop doing it, right? Yeah. But sometimes we have to literally tell ourselves that. But I think I needed that month last month to wake me up big time. I needed that. In all my years when I was in training, I knew, and we again we owned a brick and mortar, like August was right off month, right off <laughs> month, honest to God. August and um December were tough months. They could be tough months. And for a lot of years, January and February were tough because I had a lot of clients who traveled. They would just be gone because they could financially and they would go. But yeah, it's a very cyclical business in a sense. But that also means you don't stop doing everything you're doing, but it, it, it's just knowing it can be a very cyclical business. Yeah, I literally stopped doing the thing that I know works and I was, I was doing something else, which was really important, but I still needed to do that boring thing. And I was just so fed up of doing it. And then, oh, no, duh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know, but there's like, that's good though. Cause you can learn, right? Like you're learning and that's, we relate to people and clients. These are our stories that connect us. And by showing up and being that real version of ourselves, clients can hear it too, because from a client's eyes, a lot of times they look at a trainer was easy for you to work out. It's easy for you. It's easy for you. They think it is. And I'm like, that's a nice story you're telling yourself, but it's not easier for me. And in fact, when I did own my own place was probably when my health was my worst because there was, there was zero time working 10, 12 hours a day. And the last thing I couldn't tell you how many times I would be doing a workout and I put my headphones in and somebody would come out. Oh, there's a phone call from. So, Oh, there's that. I'm like, at one point I took my headphones on. I'm like, is the building on fire? And they're like, no, Uh-oh. I'm like, good. And get to me later. And I just put my headphones back in because it was hard to make time for ourselves. So it's not easy and it's not easy for anyone, but I think that you going through those moments helps people to see that, oh, you have some of the same challenges that everyone else does. To be honest with you, half the time, I don't even feel like working out. I don't. Probably even more than half. I think there's, I used to love it. I used to really love it, mm-hmm. but I've been doing this about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And like we just said, boring stuff to me now, but I know it works. I'm healthy. My heart is strong. My lungs are strong. I look good. My joints are strong. 
but it's boring to me sometimes now. Like I used to really love it. Fitness and health is non-negotiable kind of thing. You have to do it, mm -hmm. right? If you want to be happy mindset and look good and, you know, just live a long life for your kids, you have to do it. Yeah. I love that you said that because I'm, I'm actually the same. Most days I don't, I can, I avoid it. And if I don't do it first thing, then it's like, okay, no, I have to, like, I have to make time for it. Um, but I'm better if I do it first thing in the morning. And I also have the other trick that I do is that for me, it's not about size, but I guarantee my mental health and I sleep better when I exercise. Like I, my mental health is better. I cope better with demands. I can actually do way more in less time when I'm staying active every day and I sleep better. It's just that the second I get two or three days without doing something, I don't like who I become. <laughs> Frustrated, grumpy, short yeah. with people, right? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. So for any of your um, clients who are listening, like just, you're not alone. You're hundred percent not alone. So yeah, I appreciate it. It's just a secret that nobody wants to say as a coach and I'll say it. I don't care. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't want to do it most of the time. Mm -mm. <laughs> well, and I think it takes, it's usually about 10 minutes in and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, this feels better. And then it's yeah, almost done it. and you finish and it's like, <clears throat> okay, it feels great. I'm going to remember that tomorrow, but I don't remember it the next day. You know what it reminds me of <laughs> when I used to drink a lot back in the day and I would wake up hungover and I'd have to go to work because I would never miss a work day. I don't care how hungover I am. I'm going to work drunk if I'm still hungover. I don't care. I need to make this money. So I'd get to work and I'm like, oh, it's not so damn bad. <laughs> but going to work and just getting yourself up, that was the hardest part. So I guess that's that's what it reminds me of a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely a change in habits, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit. Oh, so I want you to speak to anyone who is listening right now and they are thinking of creating change in their life. They want to like they're but they don't even know where to start. They want to feel better, they want to start moving, and they don't even know where to start. I would love for you to just chat with maybe a couple things that they could start to do in order to make a difference in their health or fitness. This is a question I get asked a lot by people that are DMing me, O'Neill, how should I start? Where should I start? Same with interviews. People ask this. It's a very common question. And I would always answer the question as anyone else would, just take it step by step, day by day. Do one little thing at a time. Now, me and my team just came up with a breakthrough idea, and maybe someone else has already done it. I don't know. But we work with a lot of clients that are extremely busy, like real estate, mortgage, lawyers, mm -hmm. nurses, moms, just so, so busy. They're coming in overwhelmed, mm -hmm. right? frustrated and overwhelmed. So you don't want to add to the overwhelm or they explode and they just don't do it. They fall off. So we actually created a checklist nice. and every week it's about three or four simple, simple things. And you got to check it off before you move on to your next week. Okay. So it's plan my workout, my phone schedule, guys, not on your notepad, nowhere else except for your phone, just like where you keep your kids' appointments and your dentist appointments. Why would your gym workout go somewhere else? Keep it all in the same spot. So that's, mm -hmm. that's something else. But plan your workouts for the first week, plan your meal prepping, and then maybe one more is you're checking with your coach. So that's just three things. Check in with yourself or check in with your buddy or your, your husband, whoever, whoever holds you accountable. And then you just check it off. And it's such a good feeling. Check check, check three things, mm -hmm. not a hundred, three things. If you can't do three things, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if you can't do three things, do one thing and just yeah. check it, build a checklist. I love that. Visual. 
No, I love it. I love it. And I think that, especially when you're dealing with, and I can generalize because I'm in this category that when you're dealing with women in this time, especially when, if they are juggling kids and, and a number of demands that might be there now that it's all, it's such a shift to be able to make yourself a priority. Like it's such a shift to say, I have to do this for me first in order. So whether it's a checklist or whatever it is, but I like how you said, check in with the coach, because I strongly believe in accountability. Like I really, really do. If you are a person listening, if you need accountability, you are not weak for needing accountability. You are not strong enough because you need accountability. I think it's knowing what you need and saying yes and doing it. So I just kind of wanted to say that and give permission because I have different coaches and areas in my business that I get a lot of help and support with because we're not supposed to do it on our own. And if that can make it easier and help me to stay more accountable, then yes, hundred percent. That's, I think it's worth it. Yeah. So my coach told me something funny the other day. It's like, you guys can find all the information that we teach on Google. Okay. Google has every single thing in the world that you ever want to learn, but do you want to spend 10,000 hours nope. like I have shifting <laughs> to the BS and what's real and what works? Do you got 10,000 hours to spend? No, nope. I can't even tell you how many years that is. So go ahead. Google's right there. Do you dedicate 10,000 hours like I have, because that's how long it's going to take you. That's why we hire a coach, mm-hmm. right? To get mm-hmm. to the result faster, to mm-hmm. skip the injuries, to skip the mistakes, skip the failure, to have a support system. I don't like to say the F word, the fail word, but the statistics show you're most likely to fail without a coach. Mm-hmm. I was failing my business without a coach. I say it. I, I hire a fitness coach, even though I'm a fitness coach. Mm-hmm. My therapist has a therapist. <laughs> you know what I mean? My doctor has a doctor. My dentist has a dentist. What a great way to explain it. Like, seriously, that's a great way to explain it. And I, uh, the other thing I look at and I say it to my clients, I will never ask my clients to invest in me if I'm not investing in me. Like if I'm not investing in myself to learn more, grow more, do more in all areas of my business, I can't ask clients to invest in me if I'm not doing it. It's not congruent. No. It is not. And that misalignment, it shows up over and over. It just shows up over and over. So I just wanted to say that and let that message land for anybody who's listening, because you are hundred percent worth it. Honestly, having a coach to support you. And this is just my opinion without our health, then the rest of it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So to me, like health is my, literally my number one value. And for the majority of the time, that is what I do first. That is what I commit to because it spills over into everything else. So yeah, absolutely. Asking for support is incredibly important. hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent. Just get the help, right? It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's so do they, can they join your, is it a community and there's group programs? Is it one-on-one? What kinds of things do you offer? We actually just cut everything out. We don't sell meal plans. We don't sell fitness uh, workouts. We only sell a program, uh, a one-on-one coaching program. Mm -hmm. And that comes with all the bells and whistles to make sure you see success. Because when I was selling those meal plans, they weren't even using it. So I don't feel right taking people's money just to have them not do it. Yep. If you really want a real coach and real results, then you got to sign up for the program. It's one thing, the only thing we offer. I love that. I love how specific that is. Because a lot of people in business sometimes will offer 10 things because it's not sure which one's going to hit for their clients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for business, I know there's like low ticket and high ticket, right? If we're talking mm-hmm. business stuff. And there's a reason why they do that. 
that's more like people who are scaling on a high level, like seven figure and stuff like that. But that's like a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I just like the simplicity of it. And I think that's fantastic. So I will make sure everything is in the show notes for people to be able to connect with you and find you. And my next question for you is if you could sum it up into a sentence or two, what impact do you personally want to make in the world? I guess this is like, you know, well, I guess what anyone should say, but I just want everyone to be happy. <sighs> I want everyone to be their definition of happiness, whatever that means to you. Because if we're all happy, the world is going to be such a great place. And I think honestly that the world is mostly filled with good people. I'd say like at least 80%. I think that's a good number. I think it's 80% good people, but not all those good people are happy. And I want those good people to be happy mm-hmm. because then, you know, maybe years and years of not being happy, it might lead you to just being a miserable person. Right. I don't know. But I just want you to be your definition of happiness. I love that. I love how, I love how simple it is, but so important, right? Because if you can be at your happiest version of yourself, then that will spill into your interactions, the relationships, the people in your life, your business. It just, it spills into everything. So I think it's incredibly valuable. Yeah. Just stop hiding like your silliness. Like who cares, man? Just be silly. Your uniqueness, like whatever your uniqueness is, right? You're a weirdo. <laughs> hey, I'm a weirdo. I know I'm a weirdo. And I, I am so okay with it. I'm so okay with it. It's, it's, it's okay. just funny. Like when you meet someone who's weird, it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're laughing the whole time you're meeting, meeting with this person. It's just a good time, right? Yeah. But you don't want to be with that person. You never want to be stuck in that room with that uptight person because you're just like on edge the whole time and you're not yourself. But if you're meeting someone, this person just like a goofy, silly person. It's just like it brings it, it forces it to come out. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, just a, it's just a good vibe. So that's actually something I'm working on. I told my therapist the other day, I said, I feel like sometimes I'm losing myself and I'm becoming too judgmental. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to judge anyone for how they look or anything about them. Like they're anything. I don't care. No one should be judged. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. But I told her what I used to do is I always used to say hi to people. <laughs> on the street, the cashier, like everyone, I just always used to say hi to them. And I stopped doing it. It's like a year. I haven't done it in a really long time. I don't know what's, I think COVID has changed some things about me. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Masks Um, and isolation and fear, I think. You don't look in each other's eyes anymore. Have you noticed that? People don't look at each other. 100%. Kind of weird, but I don't want to be that person. I want to look you in the eyes and say, on my under my mask, or I'll pull it away for a sec. Hey, how's your day? I hope you're having a good day. Thank you. That is so it sounds so simple, but the ripple effect of that is so huge. And I really think that you nailed something on the head there is that is very different right now. We live in a in our area where I go out walking all the time. I've had some people, you know, say hi from across the sidewalk. Like it's just like people like wanting to say hi, but I've also had people yelling at me because I'm not being far enough distance away. <laughs> on the sidewalk outside. And I literally, in the beginning, I'm like, okay. Like there was a lot of it in the beginning, but I got to a space where I was like, have a great day. Have a yeah. great day. Cause That's I'm what I want to do. just have a great day. It kills them. It kills them if you do that. I know. I do know <laughs> but that. If you, if you give them the finger, then you're both mad at each other. So they won and it doesn't matter who won or whatever, no. but like, why would you be a, like a loser like that? Just be happy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like be a winner. I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that. And it's such a, such a simple thing, but it's literally so important. So important. 
I have loved chatting with you today. And I do have one key question that I always ask at the end is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Um, growing up or to put it simply growing up with nothing, mm-hmm. and absolutely nothing. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I grew up into a man. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Honestly, again, I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed on this show who, when I ask them what lesson in life they're most grateful for, 99% of the time, they say the stories I've lived, the circumstances I've grown up through, what I have come through, I wouldn't be the person I am today without it. And that's that mindset shift again. They're not in a space of anger or resentment for what they have come through. They realize that that has helped to shape them into who they are today. And now you're using that to continue to help impact other women. And I absolutely love it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, the word keyword, grateful, right? Mm-hmm. Grateful to God, grateful to my family, grateful to you, grateful to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So simple. Don't take things for granted. No. It'll be no. taken away from you if you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think what's Oprah's quote is like, when you are, oh, I'm not, I'm going to butcher it, but it's when you're grateful, like it brings more, like you can bring yeah. more. Right. But if you're always seeing lack, that's all you see. That's all you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all you say. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you and your time and knowledge and all the value that you gave today. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.